on the histories of Ethiopia. I put some thought into that title. I didn't want to say the history of Ethiopia because there is no one history of Ethiopia. There's no one history of anything. I didn't want to say the histories of Ethiopia, which would have covered me for the fact that there's different versions of history uh, wherever you go. Uh, but I didn't even want to say that because I, I don't want this to be an educational thing because it's not my place to even do that. Um, ask an Ethiopian if you want to know more about the histories of Ethiopia. Uh, more, I wanted this podcast to be my impressions of what I hear about the histories of Ethiopia. The stuff that's just in the, you know, the stuff that's in my head from what I've heard. And it doesn't have to be right um, or wrong. Um, it's just what I hear. And if I get things wrong, you know, I might say, uh, you know, Solomon and Sheba are mythical characters. And I may have that wrong. They might be real. You know, and I might say on another occasion that. Solomon and Sheba were real historical figures. And, you know, you as the listener might say, I doubt it, you know, they're mythical. Yeah. So, um, that's it. Um, I'll cast my net beyond Ethiopia from time to time too, because a lot of this podcast is me thinking about how people even come to uh, believe their histories what drives them to believe one version of history more than another. You know, there's all sorts of factors involved in that. Uh, so, um, you know, for example, if you're a Christian, Ethiopian, you know, there's probably a, something that drives you to believe that uh, God actually made the earth in seven days or some other variation of God made everything, you know. Um, but if you're not, if you're an atheist Ethiopian, well, you know, that might drive you to um, see God as a metaphor, things like that. Now, just, I'll leave off there in this little introduction, and uh, sometimes this podcast won't be all that serious. So to foreshadow that, let's just take a break from me and I'll hand you over to an idiot. Yeah, good day. Hey, yeah. Yeah, good day. Look, uh, my name's Danny. Uh, I'm from Australia, and uh, I'm going to do a podcast on Ethiopia. Now, here's the thing. I'm with my mate Jeff here, and I just told him I just downloaded this app on my phone and I'm going to do a podcast my very first podcast I've ever done in my life now I've got some mates who are Ethiopians and you guys need to all have a good hard look at yourself you've been around for 3,000 years maybe 10,000 years maybe 10 million years I don't know but the thing is I wanted to listen to a podcast about Ethiopia guess what I went in the search thing and there's no podcasts about Ethiopia at all there's 50,000 about Rome, and there's 20,000 about Greece, 
There's even about 500 about Australia. Now, you got, we've been here for 200 years except for the Aborigines. Don't worry about that. They've got oral stuff going on there. We don't know about that. But here's the thing. You guys have been writing ever since my ancestors were just scratching stuff into stones. You've been doing poetry. You've been doing writing all your little religious stuff. But no podcasts. How's anyone supposed to know anything about you? So here's the thing. This is a podcast about the history of Ethiopia. I'm going to write it for you. Uh, because you just can't get up off your asses and do it yourself. And this is the first episode of the first ever. And there's no way you can change this. There's nothing you can do. You can start a podcast right now on the Hethi- uh, history of the Ethiopia. And there's nothing you can do because it won't be the first. Is that right, Jeff? This will be the first. I believe you. Yeah, you, I have to. you have to because I'm right. Anyway. So, welcome to the very first ever in the thousands and thousands of years of royal tradition, history, bloody first Christians on earth, whatever you are, um, of Ethiopia, uh, you know, downloaded from Solomon, uh, what are they? Solomon, Solomon Dynasty? They're all down from Queen of Sheba and Solomon. Oh, it's a whole thing going on. I don't we'll, know. we'll find out in the yeah. podcast. And we'll work it all out. Doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter if this is the best ever uh, history of Ethiopia. It's the first. <laughs> so that was my, what I'll call, very Aussie introduction to Ethiopia. I don't think I quite got my own accent right. I, I got close. <laughs> and the Ethiopia, I think I was trying to say the Ethiopians, but got it all mixed up. Uh so, here I am, and this is closer to my new, my real voice. It's probably not even exactly my real voice now, because it's, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. Uh, I've left my friend Jeff, who lives next door, and I'm back over my side of the fence now, and I'm sitting in the car to finish off this podcast, well, this introduction. I am interested in Ethiopia. Um, and not only because I'm interested in everything, I very much am. There's much more to it than I ever thought. I first got interested in it through my goddaughter. My goddaughter has links to uh, the Ethiopian community here in Australia. Uh, I've met a lot of good people via her. Uh, I have been to barbecues and all that sort of thing and found out a lot about Ethiopia. The thing, the moment I really got into Ethiopia was, well, first my goddaughter said one day, oh, she was chatting about Ethiopia, and on a whim I said, you'll have to take me there one day. And she said yes, and then I said, pretty much, how about now? Meaning, tell me all about it. That was about two years ago, and she's been telling me all about it ever since, and it's been very interesting. Where it really kicked off, though, was I was listening to the BBC World Service, and it was Easter Sunday about two... Well, actually, I think it might have been three years ago, but two years ago, I'm losing track of the years. And the BBC World Service, they had a documentary, a sort of on this day 
documentary and it was Easter Sunday and they were talking about well first they talked about the Easter uprising in 1916 in Dublin in in Ireland Ireland and I already knew a little bit about that so I won't go in and I found that you know mildly interesting um, they, they had a focus on the women in the Easter uprising and how they had well they had picked up the guns and they were fighting side by side and and to a certain extent um all the uh, they were on uh, equal with the men in the fighting sense and uh, they felt betrayed later on when the Irish Republic came about this is what I picked up from that segment of this documentary I'm about to talk to, which is going to get back to Ethiopia in a second. They felt betrayed because when the Irish Republic came about, and England was chucked out, of they uh, the women thought they were going to get a better deal than they ended up getting, and ended up getting thrown back in the kitchen, roughly. So that didn't work out really well for them. You know, it's all right if you pick up the guns, but and when the time is needed, but, you know, as soon as the fighting's over, back into the kitchen, please, all that sort of stuff. So I think there was a certain amount of betrayal there. But that none of that interested me very much because I already know a little bit about Ireland. I didn't know much about Ethiopia, and the second segment was about Ethiopia. And the uh, it was about a battle. And the battle was between... And it was a battle that happened on Easter Sunday. I don't remember what year. Late 19th century, 1880, 1878, 1888, something like that. A battle between uh, the Ethiopian emperor at the time and an army of some sort sent by Queen Victoria and led by Robert Napier. Queen Victoria had upset Tedros. Maybe a little unwittingly, I'm not sure. And then Tedros had upset Queen Victoria. And the result had been that Queen Victoria had given Robert Napier as much money as he wanted and as well, all the resources the empire could afford, which was pretty much an infinite amount of resources, uh, to go and get Tedros. Now, why? That's probably for another day. It's a very interesting story, and the BBC World Service told it well. It basically centred around uh, Tedros. He was in a period of modernising Ethiopia. Tedros is called the father of modern Ethiopia. Before Tedros was a chaotic period, as far as I can tell, called the Age of Princes. The Age of Princes, well, that sounds really nice, the Age of Princes. And I I know the translation of that, but I've forgotten it. But I know that it's something like Zemini Mesphenate or something like that. Zemini Mesphenate, Zemini, you know, that sort of thing. The Age of Princes was a chaotic time. Warlords 
vying for power between the different areas of Ethiopia. I think from what I've read or heard about, there were, you know, you would get armies marching from one part of Ethiopia, what we call Ethiopia now. It wasn't called Ethiopia then, as far as I can tell. It was just a zone with all sorts of tribes. And there, I know the the um, the tribe that I'm familiar with are the Tigray people, and that is the group that my goddaughter has essentially married into. Her children are half Tigray. You'd probably almost say, if you were back in that time, they were Tigrayan children, because I don't think there was such a thing as an Ethiopia. Uh, I doubt that they called it. Maybe they called it Abyssinia at that time. And Abyssinia is a word that derives from the word Habisha, I've learned. And Habisha means mixed tribes. So in the Age of Princes, I can only imagine, I could be wrong, um, I'm, I'm going to get some people to help me with this podcast, people who know about Ethiopia, preferably Ethiopians. Uh, I know a few around. and uh, But, you know, if I get things wrong, that doesn't matter. Uh, because this is just an introduction. In fact, sometimes if you get things wrong, that's great, because then when it's corrected later, it sticks in the mind better. Uh, so, uh, but Tedros came along, and he was, uh, Tedros was a brilliant general. Uh, Ethiopia, or uh, when I say Ethiopia, I mean that area of, you know, Habisha people, mixed tribes, had been isolated for a long, long time. They weren't isolated, so isolated a very, very long time ago, back in the time of Rome and Greece. They used to trade fairly freely up the Nile and then, and also further up towards the Eastern Roman Empire at other times and all that sort of thing. Um, but with the rise of Islam, and not necessarily because of Islam itself, but with the rise of Islam, the lands to Ethiopia's north, and I would say this is around about 1000 AD, something like that, became too dangerous to trade through. Trade stopped and Ethiopia became isolated. And it was isolated for a very long time, right up to the Age of Princes. And then Tedros came along and he was, well, quite quite queerly, no, not quite queerly, quite clearly the the best general in the area and seemed to have united the mixed tribes or half of them or most of them or a good lot of them so that he basically had the whole place sort of unified under in one sense or another and i think uh you know there were other warlords at the same time excuse my croaky voice it's getting a bit late i'm sitting in my car there were other warlords one was called johannes at the time another one was called menelik you know and these would have been the warlords that were trying to knock each other off i guess prior to this i know johannes was from the tigray region uh, Menelik, very firmly from the Amhara area. 
it might not have been exactly called Amhara then, but it was Amharan speaking, but what we call Amharan now. And Menelik, I believe he was Amharan as well. Maybe a little bit of Oromo involved. I'm not sure. And there's one other guy there who hated Tedros's guts. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but he was the emperor immediately after Tedros and before Johannes. And I think Tedros had killed his father in a fairly brutal way. And this guy, now I could have the details wrong, it'll all be corrected in future episodes if you like. I think this guy had just sworn to get Tedros. And I don't think it ended well for him. And, uh, but. As far as, you know, this episode of the World Service, this documentary the BBC was going uh, concerned, this was all about a battle. Tedros had become emperor. He was trying to modernise what we'll call Ethiopia now. Uh, I'm not sure when it started to be called Ethiopia. And even though the word had been around a very, very long time, I think it's a Greek word uh, they used to... I think it was a Greek word for dark-skinned people, you know, and... The Greeks just refer to everyone down there and probably in other places too, maybe even in India, as Ethiopians. If you had dark skin, you are Ethiopians. Pretty much in the same way as I think they described the people up near the Alps to the north of Italy as gallo or milk skin, you know, whiteies, if you like. I suppose uh, whiter than themselves anyway. So Ethiopians, maybe that meant something like darker than us, all the way through to black, and Gallo, you know, because I'm married into the Greeks, and uh, Gallo means milk, and so I presume, and which, that's where the word Gaul comes from, I believe, Gallo, Gaul, white skin, so, you know, the Greeks maybe were pretty good at just describing people by the way they looked, Um, the pertinent point being, if you weren't Greek, you were uh, not quite human. Barbarian. I think my ancestors were barbarians. Uh, Barbaros, barbarian. That I think the Greeks meant bar 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 bar. That's how. That's how we sounded. You know, like barbarians, like sheep. Anyway, point is that Tedros had pretty much. Let's say he had unified the area, and we'll call it Ethiopia, and uh, he had English people about him in his court. One of them was called Cameron, surname Cameron, I believe. And these people were helping him modernise Ethiopia, I believe, or they were just hanging around the court, for all I know. But what happened is, one day, Tedros, Tedros had some grand ideas. He was a visionary, he was a great man, a shockingly brutal man, on other occasions, especially towards the end of his reign when things started to become frustrating for him. Uh, did some very brutal things. He, maybe he went a bit mad. I don't know. Uh, mad as in, you know, just nuts. <laughs> uh, he had Cameron... He asked Cameron one day, the Englishman, He had grand ideas of some sort of alliance with England, where England, uh, with Queen Victoria to come and help him in some way. 
Who knows? Maybe he had this really good idea that he and Queen Victoria could team up and they could take Jerusalem again, you know, because all that time ago, um, before that thousand-year isolation, the Ethiopians had a very strong connection to the to Jerusalem. And they had been isolated from Jerusalem for a long, long, long time. Uh, so... Now, I don't think that's what Tedros was writing to Queen Victoria about, although I'm sure he wouldn't wouldn't have minded um, starting up the old pilgrimages back to Jerusalem, which was a pretty dangerous place to go to, I think. I'm not sure. Um, you can work all this stuff out yourself. You know, maybe British had a bit of control down in Palestine by that stage. Maybe that was a little bit later. I can't. I don't know. I can't remember. But one way or another, Tedros wanted to get a letter to Queen Victoria, a friendly letter. Queen Victoria and him, as far as he was concerned, and perhaps as far as Queen Victoria was concerned, were like similar people because they were both royalty. Uh, Queen Victoria, on in, in one way, had a lot more in common with Tedros, the Ethiopian, than she did with my ancestors who came from in England because we weren't royal, we're peasants. I come from a long line of peasants on every route. I was going to say every branch, but every route. So um, peasants all the way through. Uh, but Tedros was of, you know, like the house, the royal houses of Europe and a little bit beyond. Uh, there was an understanding between the rulers. Uh, but he gave the letter personally to Cameron and asked him to personally hand-deliver that to Queen Victoria. Cameron agreed, of course, as you do, when an emperor tells you something to do. And off he went. I think he went and inspected the slave trade at the time. Ethiopians were pretty keen on slaves. Uh, they were in, uh, I think the slave trade at that... Where Cameron went, I think I read, was more across in the Sudan. Uh, just so, just inspecting all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then he took off and was uh, had to go to a port. Maybe that's modern, is it Djibouti? Have I got that right? Uh, and then a, an official or a public servant from the foreign office, the British foreign office, asked him what he was about. And he told him he had to deliver this letter to Queen Victoria. And the foreign, the, the public servant said, I'll do that on your behalf. And even though Cameron was supposed to hand deliver it himself, he, was, he still had to do what he was told, I suppose, if the foreign office told him that they were going to deliver it. I don't think he had a choice, I guess. One way or another, he found himself back in Ethiopia, telling Tedros that he had to hand it to someone else to hand it to Queen Victoria, which I don't know, I think was frustrating for Tedros uh, because his uh, request had not been carried out to the letter. Pardon the pun. Either way, um, the letter, I think, ended up in India, of all places, which sounds odd, but India was part of the British Empire. And I think in I think officials in India 
were in charge of anything that had anything to do with relations with Ethiopia, something like that. One way or another, though, the letter, unopened, ended up in a filing cabinet, I think, in India, uh, and never got to Queen Victoria. Meanwhile, Tedros is sitting back in Ethiopia waiting for a reply, which never came, and there's no internet and no phone. And he was became frustrated and no reply. And I think his frustration grew and eventually he lost his temper and he locked up Cameron and all the other British people in his court, almost as if to say, I'm guessing, to well, almost as if to get uh, Queen Victoria's attention and force her to respond to him. Now, she hadn't got the letter, and he wouldn't have known that. Maybe he suspected it, but the point is he was frustrated either way. Very frustrated. Well, the way things these, these things go, him locking up the English people in his court did not go over well in England. Queen Victoria wanted them, uh, sent Robert Napier, one of her generals, uh, to go and get them, get them back. And Napier did that, and no expense was spared. And that led to the Battle of Magdala, as it's called. And Magdala was a fortress high up in the hills in whatever country, uh, I think Amhara country, south of Tigray. And Robert, it was an amazing battle. Uh, the lengths Robert Napier had to go to to get to Tedros were unbelievable. Uh, there were, you know, the, well, the English didn't know the terrain, and we're talking ridiculous, hilly, mountainous territory. You know, Ethiopia is in highlands. I've never been there, but, you know, everyone says it's up high. Uh, and... He, uh, Robert Napier, uh, eventually, uh, you know, a lot of people died. Not many on the English side, but a lot of Ethiopians died. Uh, and a lot, a lot melted away, or deserted, Tedros. Either way, one way or another, the British finally got to Magdala, to the fortress, and they stormed it. I kind of imagine them just flooding over the walls. And low walls, perhaps. Um, but, you know, a high mountain fortress. And Tedros was essentially alone. I'm sure there were other people there. But he was last man standing, Ned Kelly style. Uh, probably at the, about the same time as Ned Kelly, actually. But oh, Ned Kelly is nothing compared to Tedros. Don't even sort of think about it. Tedros is a an emperor, you know, like great general, um, a may, you know, like if if we measured generalship properly, he'd be up there with the greats. But Ethiopia isn't in many history books, so he doesn't get a mention most of the time. But uh, and by comparison, Ned Kelly, you know, put on a tin suit and tried to. Sh- 
derail a train. You know, it's a different, whole different kettle of fish. Uh, but still, both of them last man standing. The British swarmed the compound where Tedros was. He was behind a haystack or something like that, and a shot rang out. He had shot himself with, as it turns out, a pistol the Queen Victoria had given him in an, another time. So there's obviously a lot of stuff going on here. You know, what was he doing with a pistol uh, that Queen Victoria gave him? So, you know, there was something going on. Uh, so there's a lot of history to uncover, I'm sure, and an introduction is not the place to do that. Either way, um, Tedros lay dying. They brought him out into the opening, you know, into the open area in the compound. And the long and short of it was that the British then, you know, you call it an atrocity if you want, but they levelled the joint. I think they just completely destroyed Magdala, you know, the, the fortress, the compound. I'm sure there were buildings of all sorts there and all that sort of thing, but it was all destroyed. Uh, I think sometimes generals, after a very hard campaign, like sometimes, and I know this happened in ancient Rome sometimes, and they used to say the men wanted, you know, they let them off the leash. Uh, so the men were let off the leash. I think they were off the leash and they destroyed things. They went hunting about and they, I, I am aware that they um, went to the bottom of some cliffs maybe at the back or something, and they found corpses at the bottom of the cliff, um, let's say Ethiopian deserters by the look of it, with their hands chopped off. So I would say that um, Tedros had a bit of trouble with desertion and was using some pretty strong methods to encourage others not to desert. Uh, you know, these weren't, these weren't exactly nice times sometimes. These days are not exactly nice times sometimes. So, uh, and by this time I was really captivated. I was really amazed that a whole battle could happen over a lost letter. It might have been a bit about a little bit more than that. But um, that, that lost letter, you know, that seems to me a part of it to me anyway. Uh, okay, so this is how I got hooked into Ethiopia. Just that story, really. Just, I took a little bit of time to tell, but then, again, so did the BBC. So I'm in good company. Now, so that's what I would call the end of the introduction. Uh, I will take the next episode wherever it wants to go. But before, I'll just mention that before Tedros... You know, I think people called the whole zone Abyssinia, which comes from the word Habisha, mixed tribes, which I think I mentioned. And those tribes go back and back and back and back and back in history, way back to the time of uh, what was called the Aksumite Kingdom back then. There are different tribes. Uh, and the Aksumite Kingdom was a very powerful kingdom back in the time of ancient Rome. So I think this is around about the time of Jesus. Time of 
you know, the switch from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire, Augustus and all that. Uh, and I know that there was a lot of trade that used to happen between, I think they called it punt or something like that. Uh, but we're not, I've, I've listened to a lot of Roman history and re- oh, I've always been interested in Rome. And recently I've listened to Mike Duncan's podcast, The History of Rome, from start to finish, which is amazing. Uh, I've only recently got into podcasts, but that was the first one I got into, and I just listened to every word of Mike Duncan's podcast. And there was a follow-up podcast to that one about the Eastern Roman Empire, which we call, you know, retrospectively we call Byzantium now. Uh, And I listened to all the way through to 1000 AD on that one. Uh, And as I said in the joke introduction... Yeah, I was I was looking for a podcast on the history of Ethiopia to, you know, as my next cab off the rank, but there wasn't one, so I guess I'm making one. The fact that I don't know much about Ethiopia I don't think matters uh, because it's just about saying anything about Ethiopia is a lot better, you know, is a huge step forward with for most people. Uh, who probably don't know anything about Ethiopia except one or two things to do with Bob Geldof or something, which I just won't get into at this point in time because it's just a little recent moment in history. But um, the history of Ethiopia is huge. Uh, go, um, legend has it, you know, mythically, they go back to Solomon and the Queen of Sheba as mentioned in the Bible. Now, we don't know if Solomon existed, and we don't know if Sheba existed. I really doubt that Solomon had gold mines and all that gold and all that sort of thing. You know, sometimes I kind of think he was some, um, maybe some, you know, chief, Jewish chief at the time. Uh, But, and the Queen of Sheba might not have existed, you know, maybe she's a metaphor for... Uh, a group of people I've heard, you know, she might be a metaphor for a place called Saba. But the point is somehow, and, and the, Ethi- the Ethiopians know this, somehow uh, the original indigenous people of the highlands where they are now, which I imagine were a lot darker skinned, uh, got together with Semitic people, and this is borne out by DNA nowadays, uh, got together with Semitic people. So they knew there was a relationship with Semitic people. Uh, they imagined it to be with the Jewish, specifically the Israelites. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, they could have been a different mob of Semites straight from where the Israelis, uh, the, where Abraham came from himself, you know. Um, but they do seem to have a, a huge connection with, uh, with Abraham. Uh, and they see themselves as descended from Solomon. Now, I don't know whether they all do, but I know the emperors do. Uh, almost certainly mm, there was no, there's no, you know, genealog- genealogical, genealogy? genealogical list, uh, link back to Solomon, uh, or the mythical Solomon, if you like, because, you know, even Tedros, uh, early in his reign, he never mentioned that he had anything to do with Solomon. Uh, but then, you know, 
for legitimacy, he started saying he was descended from Solomon. And I think a lot of emperors would have said that, you know, like if you want to become an emperor, first you've got to fight the other guys and beat them. And then you've got to uh, say, oh, by the way, yes, I am directly descended as well. You know, that gives you legitimacy with the people. But the point is, the Ethiopians in their minds uh, descended from all of that. And um, and then after Tedros, um, the nation state of Ethiopia started to form. So there's two, you know, in my mind, I say before Tedros and after Tedros is the way I look at it. And after Tedros, a nation state of Ethiopia started to form. At some stage, they decided to call it Ethiopia. And why did they choose Ethiopia as a name for this new emerging state, this unified sort of place that uh, Tedros had sort of coalesced through force and good generalship? Uh, my guess is it was a neutral term. It's, you know, what the Greeks used to call all the people down south, all the people down towards Africa. You know, I think the Greeks were happy to call everyone who was dark-skinned or black Ethiopians all the way down to um, as far as the world might go down there. I don't think they even knew South Africa existed. But um, but at some stage, my bet, and please, when I get to talk to a, an Ethiopian and maybe put them on this podcast at some stage, they'll tell me, oh, no, no, the reason for it was blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But as... Um, for the moment, my working theory will be that they sat around and said, all right, what are we going to call ourselves, you know? And they said we could call ourselves Amhara land because we, a lot of us speak Amhara. But then that would have, you know, caused some tribal issues because the Tigrayans don't, you know, they speak Tigrayan. You know, so it had to be something that was a, a word, it is my working theory, a word that was neutral, that wasn't going to favour one tribe or another of these mixed tribes, these Habisha. And my guess is they decided to call it Ethiopia. Does any, any objections to Ethiopia? Nope. All right, we're Ethiopia. Yeah, no one's got any objections, you know. Uh, so I would lay odds it's that. Now, what's happened since then? I'll just leave that to another podcast, you know. It's been a huge history after um, Tedros as well. Uh, but that will do for an introduction. Uh, but... You know, if you want to go with my little way of looking at it, there's Tedros in the middle, there's before Tedros before that, and there's after Tedros after that. All right, I'll sign off now. Uh, I feel I need some <clears throat> theme music. Now I'm in my car. I'll just turn my... I want to, I've got the radio here. Uh, just at random, I'll take us out with a little bit of theme music and I'll, I'll just hope, I'll pick a random a radio station at random, and hope there's a nice song on there that we can, say, take us out of this episode. Here we go. Absolutely irrelevant. All right, bye-bye till the next episode.